This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1-0 für den VfL Bochum! Da draußen ist der Ball frei! Und jetzt ist er drin! Jetzt ist er drin! Und hier ist Potzen, macht das Tor! We welcome you to this bite-sized edition of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. Uh, today we're only going to be talking about the, the matches from match day 13. Of course, we are in the international break, which is quite a shame, but we always have something to talk about there's always news and we will look to bring that to you um in the next eh, we'll say 40 minutes it's a bit smaller than our usual hour or so programming but of course it means that we can delve in a little bit deeper on some of the games and the news surrounding certain teams there's been plenty of movers uh, and shakers in the past couple of days uh we're recording this on a thursday uh, for special reason, uh, one of our favourites, and it seems a favourite of our listeners for good reason, can return on this day. Uh, it's the one and only Eva Lotterbol. Eva, welcome back. I'm so glad I can be back. It's I really missed it. I hope I still can form proper English sentences because I do not speak English enough anymore. Um, so please excuse any falling out from my side, but I'm really glad I'm back, uh, and I hope you're doing great as well, Matthew. I'm doing not too badly. We are well, we're absolutely thrilled to have you back on. I don't know why I said we, but, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're a collective here, and um, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since Eva's been on the show, but uh, one thing that has been constant since that is that Bielefeld have been absolutely rocking the league. They are top and I guess that's a perfect segue to get into our uh, Match Day 13 review. Uh, they were our top spieler with Nürnberg. 5-1 at the Max Morlock Stadion. Uh, it was not even close. Three goals in the opening 15 minutes, which came in a five-minute span. Uh, Klaus Vogelsammer and Klaus. Klaus added his second after Askar Sorensen made it 3-1. Uh, then it became 4-1 through Klaus. And then Reinhold Jarbo getting the fifth. Uh, they may have looked uh, in the Dortmund kit, uh, but they certainly played a lot better than Beval B. Um, yep, that's it. I said it. Um, fantastic result. <laughs> and that result, because of the game that we'll talk about afterwards, means that Armenia Bielefeld are top of the Spider Bundesliga. How, how does that feel, Eva, to be top of the pile? Well, um, as I put it in one of my tweets, my father went uh, to the newspaper stand the next day and bought a brand new Kicker magazine saying, I really want to see this in front of me. Um, it's it's a bit weird seeing everything what is was going on the past five years or so where we got from Dritte Liga to second, back to Dritte, and then even didn't know if our club will still exist and now being top of the league with having Hamburg, Nuremberg, Hanover and Stuttgart behind us. It's really 
extraordinary and I think it's a really good way to express how yeah how much has changed in this city in this club and it's really really cool and I think even come on people hot heads with two assists what can go better (laughs) (laughs) he's a he's a he's gonna be a cult figure of our uh, podcast Uh, notable (laughs) um, mention he is um yeah they they're doing everything right um <clears throat> from every perspective they what they did is they've carried the momentum from last season when uh, Neuhaus took over uh, at the start of the season i know we've mentioned it quite often they were a team that we identified as someone who could be around the mark and they've been spectacular and it's funny there are games that they probably could have taken like the Stuttgart game, for example, they were the better team for the, the first 60 minutes before Close got sent off. Um, they've So, I mean, their lead could be more. Uh, they are two points clear of Hamburg. They're five points clear of Stuttgart in third place. So they're doing everything right um, as we've passed a third of the season. Um, but there is one, you know, Bielefeld aside, because we could talk about them for an hour, but this is not a dedicated Bielefeld podcast for a reason. Um, you can listen to their official uh, Bielefeld podcast that they've got in German uh, on their on their site. I think they've got it. So that's probably where you want to be. But we should talk about Nuremberg. They've had quite a bit of news um, over the past couple of days. They had Marek Mintel as the uh, interim or the caretaker coach. That was, yep. The less said about that, the better. Uh, Jens Keller will be the new trainer. Um, of course, he was a part of Ingolstadt's attempted rescue mission, which didn't work. Uh, of course, Union Berlin prior to that, and Schalke, Stuttgart. Um, interesting signing, but one that it seems that um, even Nuremberg fans were quite happy with. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of them... Yeah, so I looked through Twitter, and they were like... Finally, that putting Marek Mintel on a throne is over. Like saying he he will change everything, and you can just see that the whole team is completely lost. Like I do feel very, very so sorry for the fifth goalkeeper Villard because the only goal he might have changed. His behavior was the one against Diabo. But if you don't have a defense at all, I'm not speaking only about a working defense, but it seems to be there's no defense at all. And I think that Jens Keller, um, we spoke about um, off record that he says, I don't even care how we play. We just have to stop conceding goals. And... They, they conceded eight goals in the past two matches, and one of, one of the matches was Bochum. No offense, but they're not really famous for scoring a lot of goals um, this season. So uh, it's uh, they really need to change something. I think Jens Keller is a really good appointment. He knows his way. Um, even yeah, Ingolstadt. Wasn't in the best place anyway, but he he has a good reputation, in, especially in the Zweite Bundesliga, if you look back to, to Union days. Um, and if you look at the other teams that are searching for a new trainer at the moment, like um, in, in, if you have in the Bundesliga, if you have Mainz or 
uh, Köln and then and Zweite Bundesliga, of course, Hanover. Um, going to Nuremberg is a huge, huge step for him. Yeah, it's it's a good. I think it's a good next move for him. Personally, I think uh, they will be thrilled. Well, they're obviously thrilled to bring him in, and and they've done so swiftly. Um, you mentioned the goalkeeping situation. They've uh, they've brought in Felix Dornbusch, who was um, at Bochum. Uh, a few plenty of plenty of, well, unsure as to why he was let go. He's been a, he's been uh, really in the abyss uh, the the past few months. Uh, he's coming. He's on trial, I believe. Wouldn't be surprised if they sign him just to to relieve the stocks. They've got so many injuries uh, in goal. Um, so they uh, like. I feel deeply sympathetic to the eighteen-year-old goalkeeper at Benedict Villain, who just yeah. You could have put most goalkeepers in that situation. He lacked the the, the experience, obviously, but that defense is. Is a massive need of work. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they go if they if they're busy in January looking to 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 shore up their stocks. Um, we will see. Let's move on from that game. Uh, Holstein Kiel and Hamburg was the next one. Uh, this game ended a goal apiece. Uh, Yanni Lukasera got the opener on 43 minutes. Uh, Timo Leichert got the equaliser in stoppage time to give Hamburg a share of the points. It does mean they dropped to second. Um, but a point's a point. They'll take it. Uh, they played for ten men, with 10 men for most of this game after Bakri Yatta was sent off. He was also given a two-match suspension for that because it was a straight red. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how you feel about the incident, but it seemed very harsh uh, when I first looked at it. And, um, yeah, to give him the automatic two matches and for Hamburg not to challenge seemed a bit strange. Yeah, I... Um, didn't watch the game when it was live, but um, I saw it afterwards, and I thought it was a really, really harsh decision, especially if you compare it to the rest of the match day, um, or even to the to the game itself. Um, I wouldn't have done it, especially twenty six minutes into the game. It's a really, really harsh decision. Um, to send someone off for Hamburg, of course, it's a huge loss um, to use Yasha, one of the key players, of course, um, when they played um, us at home. I thought he was really, really good. Uh, Cedric Bonner had a lot of struggles with him, so he will be missed. Um, but you really have to give credit to the rest of the Hamburg team. They really... Um, kept on playing even after Sarah scored and um, yeah it's he can be can be happy with a point in the end because from my perspective Hamburg was the better team over most of the game yeah I tend to agree I think they <clears throat> excuse me um, they they certainly look more dangerous going forward and and it, it's a tough one like it, I appreciate the fact that even with 10 men, Hamburg was still more than willing to go forward. I guess your hand is forced when you go a goal behind before halftime. Um, but yeah, I mean, put it this way, if this was last season, they would have folded. Like a deck of cards and Kiel would have had their way with them. So I think if we, if we, we, we kind of sum it up, it's been... A great culture change for them. They sit second. They are where they need to be. 
which is in the top two. Of course, they'll want to win the league, which is understandable. But they are where they want to be. They're the best offensive team in the league. They've got 30 goals. Defensively, they've been fantastic as... You know, they've improved massively in that area. 12 goals conceded, which is amongst the best. It's equal best in the league with Osnabrück. They're doing everything right. They're picking up points where they wouldn't have picked up points last season. Um, and they've and in a few games this season, they've found ways to get goals when games have been grinds. They've been tough grinds. So they're doing everything right. And, and a good point for them. Kiel, they'll take the point as well. It's it's always tough. Uh you know, when you give up a set-piece goal like they did, which was, and it was a pretty soft one as well. So, yeah. Let's move on uh, to St. Pauli. They hosted Bochum uh, on Friday night. That game ended a goal apiece. Both goals coming in the opening 10 minutes. Simon Sola uh, getting his third goal of the season, uh, ending with the uh, the trademark flex uh, to, the, to, the, to the Bochum fans. And then uh, Volodymyr Sabota uh, equalizing with a really nice goal. Um, to make it one all, and that was as it stood uh, to the final whistle. But um, this was actually a really good game. There was plenty of good attacking passages, and and um, yeah, I think it's almost a shame that this game ended a goal apiece because there were certainly more goals in the offering. Yeah, I think especially in the first half, if you uh, look at it, I was really surprised how heated the beginning was from both sides. Um, Probably because Bochum came off the first home win. And, uh, of course, there were always a lot of fans traveling to St. Pauli. Um, really wanted to give them something back. Um, but I think, nevertheless, the second half was a bit typical for both teams. They, um, yeah, a lot of long and high balls on the Bochum side, which was the... Yeah, same against Nuremberg already, which a lot of fans criticised afterwards. Um, I think Bochum has to go a step further to actually get a point out of this game. I mean, St. Pauli always has an advantage of playing at home. You just We always speak about it. You have the fans in the back. It's always a different atmosphere than in other stadiums. Um, but I think they, they have to show a bit more courage. I think what, what is really good with the three youngsters did in, uh, especially on the likes of Bella Kotcheb, for example, I think he had a very, very decent performance. But they have to go a step further and just, yeah, keep on going. And I, I had the feeling with the with Zhang Pauli leveling, their whole confidence was just going away. Yeah. I mean, it was there for... I. I think the game was there for the taking for Bochum, and there was a, they had their chances um, to make something of it. I mean, I don't think, you know, in, especially in the first half, as you mentioned, um, they had the better. I think they had the better chances, and they were probably unlucky not to make it two nil or two one. Uh, um, but it, yeah, it, it's kind of been the story of their season. They just can't. Well, they can't hold on to leads. That's been proven. So, as you mentioned, pretty typical of their season so far. Um, but, yeah, what a massive three points it would have been had they, they'd won at the Milan Tour. It would have put a ton more pressure on Jos Lukai. But, overall, I think, in the end, it probably was the fairest of the results uh, to, to give it a one-all draw. And, and, you know, they move on and they get ready for next week. And 
two sides who desperately need to, to keep winning if they want to get away from that, uh, that bottom tier. We'll take the first of our two breaks. And on the other side, we are at the Bremer Brücke when Osnabrück hosted Stuttgart. Our first Group 2 game was Osnabrück and Stuttgart. And upset alert over here, it was the hosts getting a 1-0 victory against VfB. Uh, Marcos Alvarez, yes, you can still buy a condo on Alvarez Island. He scored the one and only goal. Uh, it means that with how tight the table is, Osnabrück move up to ninth, um, And with how results panned out elsewhere for Stuttgart, it means that they lose ground on Hamburg and uh, Armenia Bielefeld. Um, we spoke about the, I spoke about this with Mark Lovell, the wonderful Mark Lovell, um, a few weeks ago in one of their games that when when they play at home, they have this tendency of being very tricky to beat. But if they score early, they'll shut up shop. And um, that's exactly what they did here, Eva. It was, uh, it was get the goal early and hold on for dear life. And they did so in style. Yeah, very, very impressive performance. I think you have to give a lot of credits to the Osnabrück side, but also on the same time, you look with a lot of worries to, to Stuttgart because uh, they had more or less 86 minutes to get something out of this game. That's a lot of time for a team just that just has one of... On, on paper, has one of the best teams in the league and the most expensive teams. And it doesn't matter how bad you play, but it should be your key to at least at least get a draw from a team that got up from the third division and isn't in the first um, five teams in the league. You, you should really get something out of it. And I talked to the... Uh, some of the Stuttgart people and said it, it seems that way that with them defeating Armenia it's not a lot of luck that came their way afterwards um, I think it's their fourth their fifth game in six games they lost is yeah. it right or, it's, it's or a, the fourth and fifth yeah, I think it's the like four, fourth and fifth yeah I reckon it is oh, yeah. five yeah something like that um, and yeah uh I would be really, really concerned. I think um, Tim Tim Walter lost the team in some some way. Uh, you have the likes of like Mario Gomez, Mohamed um, Algadoui, and um, Nico Gonzalez, and you should really get more than zero goals out of this game. I think um, yeah, they had a lot of shots on goal, but they have the quality to actually. Yeah, ha- score goals in the end, but they don't do it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, I think we were all like, yep, Tim Walter, good appointment. To be fair, he probably was thinking they were still going to be in the Bundesliga and stark contrast, they are, they're here. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember which one of our wonderful listeners, it might have been Daniel, um, who mentioned that they were there were some some similarities with the Hamburg side of last season. Um and the more we look into it, the more it's pretty. It seems pretty clear that it's the same. It almost seems identical in in the way that they will have a ton of the ball. 
ton of shots on goal, do nothing. They won't score. Um, it's incomprehensible how how average they are going forward with the talent uh, that you mentioned, Eva. And you know their leading goal scorers, Al Gadoui and Gonzalez, with four apiece. Um, but I think that's probably, if anything, that's it's a massive indictment on on Valter that he should you you go Stuka and you know that you're going to be playing teams on smaller budgets and that if they get given the chance to get an early goal they are going to shut up shop and or or if anything a lot of teams will sit back deep defensively and he hasn't figured it's almost like he hasn't figured it out how to beat those teams regularly um you know he was lauded for his playing style at Kiel and 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 you know the different things he does with with the center halves and 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 whatnot but their attacking third is mm, yeah leaves a lot to be desired they're they're in that middle pack in terms of goals scored around the Heidenheim range and with 20 goals but geez it hasn't been pretty with them and and yeah i think maybe we'll leave it at that uh to another team that is in all sorts of trouble is hanover uh, they were absolutely pantsed in the second half of this game. It was 4-0. Um, yeah, there was a lot going off the pitch with, with this one. Of course, the first game without Mirko Slomka, but also um, it, it should be brought up that uh, it was the 10-year anniversary of uh, goalkeeper Robert Enker um, taking his life. Um, so that, you know, observatory of minute silence, which was well well done both sides, but... Um, yeah, it, it's a club that's in absolute crisis. And yeah, I think uh, just remembering those events is, is quite sad. And um, Eva, I know we were talking about it um, off air. Um, I think we we should talk about it because cause depression and, and, and mental illness is, is a serious thing. And, and it's, um, you know, it's something that we don't talk about enough. And, um, you know... It's, yeah, I think it's something that we need to shed a little bit more light on. Yeah, and I think uh, with this whole uh, Robert Enke Stiftung that his wife or widow, uh, yeah, yeah, founded the Robert Enke Stiftung, um, first of all, um, I have a lot of respect for this woman. I think her work is amazing. The way one day after his death, she just stands in front of the camera, in front of the press, saying, if anybody says anything about my husband, it should be me. And I, her courage is amazing. Her strength is amazing. Um, and if you... Uh, Hanover actually published, um, like, a 10-year... You can't really say anniversary, but uh, a video... Um, where they asked his um, following goalkeeper from Lovitz and so, of course, his wife and, and a couple of people um, on this day. And if you look at the scenes from the stadium where the um, part of the, yeah, the ceremony was taking place from the funeral... It's, you just immediately cry. But at the same time, and that's um, what I think is really important, is that awareness for depression is brought to attention to everyone through football. You can see that every every league in Germany 
did this. They stood in front of the the stadium, and of course, there's always um, they say something about it. So this automatically brings the attention to depression and. That it's not, it's a sickness, but a sickness you can't see if you don't know about it. It's that it is no shame because at the same time, if it's like a taboo, you don't really talk about it. But if you get this taboo out of the society, it's really important to speak about it. And um, I think football, sports in general, plays a huge role in bringing that to young people, especially because the pressure is always increasing. And uh, that's something they do really good really good job at the moment absolutely and it's something that you know we can only hope that with more the continuing support with awareness and and and, and this is the thing with football and, and a lot of sports it's a powerful tool sport is a powerful tool in bringing these things into the light it's like political issues as well but um it's it's a it's a it's a it really is an excellent tool to 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 make people aware of this and don't feel ashamed about it. You know we're in in in, in any way we we're all going through something and you know finding people you can trust to talk about it and 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 not it doesn't make you a weaker person in any stretch. It it I know it it can be difficult to to say something because you feel embarrassed or you don't feel you might not feel like that there's someone listening but there will be someone who is and and um you know i think it's important that you know we continue to do our part in 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 bringing these issues to the forefront so that you know we don't have a situation we don't have situations like what happened 10 years ago um we'll move on to the actual game itself um yeah, four nil, uh, and and Hanover were were really outworked in the second half. They had chances in the first half to make something of it, but it wasn't to be. Tim Klanit scored a brace, Schnatter from the spot, and Sebastian Griesbeck getting the fourth. It means that Hanover dropped to fifteenth, only a point above Bochum. Heidenheim, on the other hand, moved to fourth. Um, what what was your biggest takeaway from this game, Eva? I mean, the scoreline says paints paints the picture really, but um, yeah, which uh, which team would you like to talk about here? Well, I I would start with Heidenheim, actually. Um, I think something they missed out in some in in a couple of games earlier this season, but what was really typical for them was last season was really using their chances efficiently. So they had a couple of chances, um, but the way they used it this time was really extraordinary. I think, um, of course, there was horrible defending coming into the way or yeah was an advantage as well uh, but I really liked uh, their full display how their play um, was really impressive and yeah it's it was a really good game from their side yeah it was um, yeah it, yeah it was um, oh, I've lost track of time and, and what I was going to say but um, yeah you look at also the Hanover situation. We'll just quickly merge to there, and um, yeah, they're, they're still coachless. Um, their Hanover built page is saying it's out of Kino and Kokach and, and Daniel Meyer, and you know, I mean they're not really Kino and Kokach, of course, formerly of Sandhausen. Um, very defensive-minded coach, uh, not a not someone that is known for goals. And Daniel Meyer, of course, was 
uh, axed from our uh, four games in. Um, young man, young energetic manager, but again another team that is defensive. So it's clear they're going for a defensive minded coach, which is fine. Um, but it will be interesting to see what road they go on um, going forward. We'll go to our last Group Two game, just Karlsruhe and Auer. Uh, that game ended a goal apiece. Uh, Jan Holscheid opened the scoring with a lovely goal. Um, an excellent through ball by Florian Kruger um, to find Holscheid who ran the keeper and, and snuck it in to the bottom right corner. Uh, he was then sent off moments before half-time with his um, reckless, and it was a reckless challenge, uh, studs in the back of the calves. Uh, he was sent off, and then Anton Fink uh, getting a goal to make it a goal apiece. It really was a tale of two halves. Our really good in the first half, but when they went a man down, really struggled as Karlsruhe took uh, took over. It does mean that we have a Spider Bundesliga record for the most consecutive draws. Karlsruhe seven consecutive draws, breaking the previous record of six. Uh, Eva, I'm not sure what your takeaway from this game was. I mean, it again proof is in the pudding that Karlsruhe for some reason can't win nor lose. But I mean, for our, it's probably a good point in the end. It keeps them in the top five. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, the, as you said, the whole shot goal was really, really good. I didn't think uh, watching it after that the that Horshad managed to get it actually into the goal. <laughs> so the, the ball was just going um, off the pitch. But really good performance, uh, especially with one man down. But I have to say, really, we say a lot of bad stuff about the VAR, but I think this was a game where it worked perfectly uh, from the from Jan Horschel being sent off uh, after just seeing a yellow card. And then the penalty last minute, which wasn't really one, I would agree. Um, so that was really good, uh, really good. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does show that um, VAR does work, but, um, <laughs> well, I say that. Famous last words, because we will talk about that on the um, at the end before we get to our topic questions. Um, yeah, I think I think in the end, I think the result was probably fair. Um, you know, our stay in the top five, whereas Karlsruhe, you know, they're in that mid-table. It's really, really tight there. And, um, yeah, they're just accumulating points. But, you know, eventually, they're going to have to start winning if teams around them start picking up points as well. We'll take our final break. And on the other side, we'll get to our Group 3 games. And, of course, your topic questions will start in Sandhausen when they hosted Greuterfurt. Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Kevin. And we're the hosts of the Rinkside Podcast. We were annoyed by the lack of hockey coverage on local sports radio and decided that we were stupid enough to try and provide some ourselves. We have what we call the rinkside guarantee. We guarantee that the podcast you're currently listening to is better than ours. We are literally just two halves of one whole idiot trying to fumble through covering the Detroit Red Wings, the National Hockey League, and hockey in general. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at RinksidePod and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast providers. Every time you listen to our podcast, it brings us one step closer to our ultimate business goal of purchasing the Arizona Coyotes and then moving them to Detroit. What? Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming, or just another commercial. We aren't the ones who make those choices. Yes, and we start with Sandhausen and Greuther Furt, and a game which probably didn't expect many in the way of goals. We've got plenty of. Final score of 3-2 to the hosts. 
Uh, they did it late, but that's okay. They all count the same. Um, Julian Green opened the scoring with a really good goal. Um, and then Kevin Behrens took advantage of a penalty given away by Julian Green. Uh, Behrens scored after uh, Branimir Hugota made it 2-1 for the visitors. Behrens getting, making it 2-2. And then substitute Aziz Buhadus uh, scoring in stoppage time to give a crucial three points for Sandhausen um, as they get them away from that bottom five situation. It actually puts them in the top half of the table, as is how tight that mid-table area is. Big relief for them. Kevin Behrens now has six goals in the season. Um, but certainly a game which, despite being efficient, which Greutherford were with their chances, they only had eight chances on goal. They scored twice. Uh, they really didn't do enough to test that Sandhausen defence. Yeah, I think it's it's a really surprising result in the end still. Um, but you could see, it's just what football moments are all about. The moment, uh, the final whistle blows and Koshina just, you can see every emotion in his face. Um, and Zandhausen were a really, really good side to challenge Fjord. Um in this game, that was really, really well done by them. Um, yeah, I think, like, I think in the end, nobody really could go wrong with the draw with one point. But for Sandhausen, it's huge. Um, Fürth still doesn't really lose contact to the bottom six or so. But yeah, I think um, they're a different side than they were like a month ago. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really, as you mentioned, if anything, the, the outpouring of emotion, probably relief, if anything, for him. Um, it's been a tough stretch for them. Uh, I do remember last week we got a question uh, when we had um, Gabriel, uh, the head of Press English for Bochum, about who was the best team in, 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 Franken, in, in Franconia. Um, <laughs> Danny. Schweinfurt. Um, He's like, yeah, Schweinfurt or Würzburg. He's lucky you're a Minnesota Vikings fan because, uh, you know, otherwise it would be interesting. Um, they still are, amazingly. They still are the best team at the table. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's funny how they happen to lose uh, after that question. Um, yeah, I mean, Furt have had a pretty good season for where they are. I think they're doing a lot better than w- what was expected. I didn't have much. I didn't have high hopes for them at all. Neither with Sandhausen. So I mean, says a lot. But that mid table is quite tight anyway. Um, yeah, it's funny because like Kevin Barron, you know, their their biggest question was who was going to be able to replace Andrew Wooden. Of course, going to the Philadelphia Union in MLS. Um, but Barron's has been able to shoulder the lows. Buhadus has chimed in for a couple of goals here and there. Um, They've just got the pieces. They just haven't been able to get results, and and you know, in in a league as tight as this one, where results are, are pivotal, um, yeah, it was a big win for them and one they'll they'll be very happy with. And whether they can build on that going into next week's game at Bielefeld, we'll wait and see. But it's not a particularly easy test for them. We'll talk about that next week, of course. Um, Darmstadt and Jan Regensburg was the next game. Uh, this game ended 2-0 and it had an unbelievably crazy finish to it. Um, you know, Dario Dumic conceding, well, giving 
Jan Regens broke the league with an own goal, very unfortunate own goal. Funnily enough, how Marco Grutno tried to claim it as any striker would. Um, <laughs> you just do. You just, you just do. That's what you do. Um, Serdar Dursun could have had a hat-trick in this game. He missed a penalty, um, but he scored twice in the final two minutes of regular time to give what was a 2-1 lead for Darmstadt. It seemed all but certain. But that man again, Andreas Albers, the late game specialist for Jan Regensburg, he scored in four minutes of added time. Mind you, a gift. Some would say Marcel Schoen spilled the beans, and he did so. Albers took advantage 2-2, the final score. Uh, what would have been a massive three points for Darmstadt in the context of their season, which has been a fair disappointment. Um, yeah, that, that, that hurts. That could have put them... Amazingly, if they'd taken the two extra points, they would have been behind um, Sandhausen. They would have been in the top half of the table. So what a gut-wrenching draw, essentially, for them. Yeah, I think the one thing you have to point out, um, Darmstadt's still not very good this season. But if I'm informed correctly, they did not lose one game at home until now. Is that correct? I think they're undefeated at home, at least. I think so. Right. I think so. We'll have to yeah. fact that fact check that uh, and correct it. Yeah. If that's yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think uh, I think that's yeah. true. I think that's true. Yeah, I th- I think it's true. Um, yeah. Um, uh, it it's a huge loss for Darmstadt in the end because I think it feels a bit like. Um, a defeat coming back in 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 a space of two times, uh, two minutes. Sorry, um, with two goals, it, it, really good. But then getting one back in like in stoppage time, that's really disappointing for them. But I wouldn't give Marcel Schoen all the fault for this goal. I think it's more that they didn't really could clear out the situation, and that's. That's why it went in in the first place. Uh, but yeah, on the other hand, you have a really, really good uh, goalkeeper. I think there were one or two um, free kicks that he was amazing in um, defeating them and that, or defending them. That was really good. But yeah, in the end, um, I think it's your typical draw if you look at the teams. Yeah, I mean, we'll, let's quickly just circle back to the... the uh, that- we were about the, the fact that we were unsure if they are undefeated to um, wins and four draws. There are a bunch of teams who actually are unbeaten at home. Greuther, um, sorry, not Greuther, um Hamburg are one, five wins and a draw. Our four wins and two draws. Um, yeah, Bochum, amazingly, are unbeaten at home. One win and five draws, so they've done... <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually amazing. Um, yeah, it, it kind of was a typical draw in many respects, but both teams had chances to make it their own Darmstadt in particular, and, and that's probably why they should feel a bit annoyed that they didn't get more than what it was. I thought Alexander Meyer was very good between the sticks for Jan, and um, yeah, it's the one that got away for Darmstadt. It's been there's been a few games like that this season, and I think this was another one. They had the chances to really put them away. Serdar Dersen converts that penalty, including the two goals, gets the hat-trick, it's game over, so what could have been for Delian? This brings us to our last game, 
of match day 13. And boy, did this game have some controversy in it. It was 1-0 for Dinamo Dresden. It was a massive win for them. Breaks their five games uh, five games of consecutive defeats. Vian, yeah, they should, should feel really upset with the, the outcome of this game. Uh, Alexander Yeremayev getting the goal. But uh, the glowing incident was early in the first half where Wiesbaden had a goal chalked off. Um, thanks to the video assistant referee, they went all the way back to the byline of um, the VA and Wiesbaden defensive penalty area as Alexander Yeremayev was attempting to cross the ball. The ball went out as play continued. Van went on to score. That was the video assistant referee. Checked that. Goal chalked off. Goal kick to Wiesbaden. And then in the build-up to the Dresden goal, a Van Wiesbaden play was fouled. Not given. Goal given. 1-0 Dinamo. Um, yeah. It's a, it sparks interesting debate, VR, And it's probably a good thing that we... It's a good and a bad thing that we have to consistently talk about it. I'm, I want to get your your thoughts on that decision that that took the goal away um because i think i think we know it's eventually going to come those kinds of weird decisions that's going to take a goal away what what are you, what are your impressions on that the ruling well um i was watching this game uh in in the conference mode um friday night and <laughs> the thing was i initially thought when the ball was out or off the pitch I thought okay when um, somebody is going to score now and this will be reviewed but of course on paper the use of VAR is correct but on the other hand you have to see it's it would have been an advantage for for the Dresden side but it's not really for for the for Wien because Dresden didn't really make anything out of that chance been kept on playing um and then i it's really hard for me to stand behind this decision especially if you see that for v the goal was um uh yeah or for for, for um for dresden the game was given um after uh, a v player was fouled as you said before um there's really weird the way how they use it I think uh, and I think it's not the way how it should should be used um, yeah for Wien it's a huge setback I think there would have been very important one or even three points for them um, both sides were terrible um, you have to say that but uh, you can see that Wien is is still a bit upset about it. I think um, they're going to to the uh, sporting. Uh, I, I think they're going to sporting court, something like that. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I, they will not take anything out of it. But I think it's more like a um, political reason. Mm, yeah, that those cases where they probably hope for a replay. Unfortunately, they won't get it. Um, it. It's the that decision which takes the goal away. It's the correct, it's the correct interpretation. The ball went out, but part of me is like, well, they all essentially played the advantage um, when they won possession back and they played on and they scored and, and all that. But unfortunately, it's the correct 
interpretation of the rule because the ball left the field of play. Um, to be fair, I'd, I'd probably feel exactly the same as Rudy Garome did, which was pissed off um, because they were chalked off a goal correctly, but it was also how it happened. I, I'm waiting for when um, the decision comes about when a team has a 50-50 foul in the box, referee waves play on, the other team scores the goal, and then VAR wants to take that goal away and give the other team a penalty. What the reaction will be, and you get the feeling that it will cause absolute pandemonium. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's frustrating how VAR is used. I like I like VAR. I'm one of the uh, one of the the, the the few that think it's it's a good thing. But I the exception I have is. The, this grey area, the interpretation of how certain things are paid, handball in the box for some reason. How is it in some games that they give handball for in the box if, if there's a flailing arm or something? And then in other games, that exact same the exact same thing is not given. They go to VAR, no worries. They don't pay it. Like, for example, any time that a team plays Bayern or... Um, and this is not coming from a disgruntled Schalke fan. This is coming from someone trying to be impartial. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we need to figure it. It needs to be figured out. It's going to take time. And, unfortunately, the f- no, we're not patient. We're not patient. We want things done correctly. We want cut and dry. Um, so it's never, it's never going to be perfect. But they need to get rid of interpretation. They need black and white. This is how we're going to officiate it. This is how it's going to be called every time. No grey. Get rid of the grey. Just black and white. And from that incessant ranting to our topic questions, we have three of them uh, today to answer. Our first one is from Steel Penguin at Steel Penguin 3. So hello, everybody. It's very close between Heidenheim, Auer, Stuttgart, Hamburg, and Armenia. Beautiful. Do you think? Do you see either Auer or Heidenheim making a push for the automatic promotion places? Uh, personally, I don't think so. Um, nothing against the two sides they're both overachieving they're both higher than when I expected them to be at this stage um, especially my preseason prediction uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about more of that when we get to the uh, the, the final episode of 2019 um, but um, I don't think so I don't think they'll be able to hold on um, Heidenheim maybe but I, I'm not too sure about what do you think Eva? Fully agree on every matter when there is one of the both teams that could challenge a Tottenham. Yep, I think that's that's fair and yeah, we'll see though. We we've been proven wrong on many occasions, in particular myself, and that's okay. It's okay to be proven wrong, but when I'm right, it's always a nice thing too. Um, similar on that tangent is uh, we got a question from Ben J at Ben Jake, Ben Jack, sorry, ninety four. Uh, he says, hi guys, loving the podcast. Keep up the great work. We will. Uh, just wondering if you think our could be a dark horse to threaten those top teams. So similar questioning. Um, he goes along the tangent of they've got goals, which is true. They've, they're pretty equal with Stuttgart on goals. Um, and a manager who's won promotion before, of course, Dirk Schuster, led Darmstadt to that famous double promotion. Um, we won't talk about the initial promotion from Dritter to, to, to Bundes, <laughs> the Bundesliga. <laughs> Um, um, it's an interesting take with Al 
um, Eva. You, they've got good players. Holshard, you've got international players like um, Dmitry Nazarov. Martin Manuel has been fantastic between goal between the sticks. Um, is is there any way you could almost pitch an ideal that they could be in in that top five going forward? It's quite tricky. We, re- I, I can't really come up with one as someone who had them getting relegated at the start of the season. Um, do do you think that they can? <laughs> Do you think they're able to sustain their productivity, especially going forward, considering they're a team that generally lacked goals? Well, I would, I would just say I don't think they will come to the negative spiral in that way that they have to face uh, the fact that they might deal with um, getting relegated again. But on the same time... On the other hand, I don't really think they will keep up the work they do at the moment. Um, I think we have will have uh, another picture when we come into the new year. Um, then I might say something different, but because we are now again in the stage of the season where everything can happen in in the winter break, um, a lot of teams will need to definitely uh, look for some some new people um, but I think for our it's already it's huge overachievement uh, if you look at the whole club they're always great with um, financial problems they have now and then that they are still in the league and that's the most important thing I th- generally think anything above seventh eighth place, or even a promotion will do them more harm than good. There you have it. Our last question is from Louis Ostrovsky at uh, Austral. Uh, I would like to this this one this one can be for you, Eva, because obviously <laughs> this person is your favourite footballer. Obviously, I would like to ask your thoughts on your favourite left back, Florian Hartert, being in the kicker team of the week. He had two assists. Um, and probably had one of his better performances that uh, probably Eva can remember. Um, Eva, we're trying not to laugh because it is funny. This is not a, vent- a personal vendetta, not from me anyway. Eva may be, but um, yeah, your thoughts on uh, on Hartert's performance in Nuremberg? <laughs> um, it was good. Uh, there is no other way to describe it. It was better than in a couple of games before. Um, um, when we came into the Kia game, a lot of people were wondering why Lukoki isn't playing because his um, general performance against Schalke was quite good. Um, but I have to say, it's his performance was that good at the same time because Nürnberg's was so bad. Um, you can see that with teams that are very quickly and playing very um, have a range of very good players he seems to be he's really good in building up a game I'm not saying anything against that he he can be very quick he 90% of the time he has a good eye for the strikers up front what the problem is that he's not coming back fast enough um, to do his defending job, which is he is in the end as well. Um, so on the likes of Fogelsammer, of course, who has to defend then. Um, 
But I have to admit, good game. Uh, I mean, it's 5-1 in the end. It's really hard to find something bad about it and two assists. Um, but I think there is no shame in giving Lukoki one or two chances in the league because he's really young. He needs that, uh, especially out of 5-1. We were speaking about it because I was watching with a lot of people. Why not put in someone like Lukoki or Kunza at that stage? Uh, just to to give them the chance to sh- prove themselves. Um, yeah, that's that it is for me, and I'm I'm always happy to be proven wrong by players like Hartheads. But for me, he still does not show the the way to be playing every week. He made a huge step, he made a huge development, especially under Uwe Neuhaus. I mean, huge credit, as you say. Uh, as Hans-Jürgen Lauf has said, our still president, last year of, of uh, presidency, but he is still president, he said, um, I'm Uwe Neuhaus's biggest fan after his wife. <laughs> um, he made it, he formed a very good team, Hartheads as part of the team, as well as Fogesama or even like Klaus. And you can't really find a lot of mistakes at the moment. All is well. 13 match days in. Still 21 to go. That's it for this episode of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. I know I said bite size and it's pretty obvious that we've pretty much given you a regulation size uh, episode. <laughs> We couldn't. How could we not? We have the wonderful Eva. Eva, thank you for coming back on. We hope that we can bring you back on soon. Yeah, I hope I can be back on soon. It's uni that is the problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, it seems that you know you have a bit of a, a following. The uh, our good friends uh, who do the uh, the Valve B podcast, they are happy to have you um, back, and we are as a collective. Happy to have you back on the podcast. And <laughs> thank you for this. Is yeah, this is the uncut version. Um, no, we, we appreciate you coming on and and uh, giving up your time, and uh, we we look forward to bringing you back soon, hopefully. And it'll be interesting to see whether Armenia Bielefeld will be where they are come Christmas time. Uh, from me, Matthew Carey. Don't jinx it. <laughs> Do not jinx it. <laughs> Well, uh, we'll get to the ending eventually. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoy your weekend off of Swider Bundesliga football. Uh, and do join us next week when we get you back up to speed with Match Day 14. Mm-hmm.